Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us at DCTF. You can like us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can uh, follow us on Twitter. I already said that. All right. You know, let, let's let's just get our feet underneath us. You can subscribe, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. If you haven't as yet, please subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and also leave us a five-star re- review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't as yet. Ishmael, man, whew, i got to slow myself down a little bit. It's uh, it, it, See, I think here's the issue, right? We're mm. recording on Tuesday. Right. Usually I'm used to saying all these words on Wednesday. That's what's switching you up right now. That's what's completely messing me up okay. right now. Okay. Cool. But, you know, we got, uh, obviously it's Thanksgiving week. We don't want to be here all day tomorrow. Uh, also, you need a, couple, a little bit of extra time since we're going to have some Friday games, obviously. Yep. So, you know, we just got to get it all together. No problem, right? <laughs> um, so, first of all, happy Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Definitely, I can't wait, man. It's under underrated holiday. Yeah, I know that. Obviously, this is Greg's go to holiday. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like, is this I, your your holiday? It's I lo- I love this holiday. I mean, like, to me, I don't know what the rush is to always celebrate Christmas immediately <laughs> after Halloween. Right. It's like there's never been a time where in my life where I've ever been like, you know, what gets underappreciated. Christmas <laughs> that's never gone through my head at all right and so right, like right. but it seems November 1st something they just have to get the tree up <laughs> or they just have to put the, the lights on and it's like I you need two months like you need two months of hype <laughs> like oh my god that's insane to me that isn't that's insane to me well I mean I think the, that you know all of us have talked about before that Christmas is like you know the actual day of Christmas is kind of weird Sure. Because it's like, you know, you kind of, you open the present, then you're just kind of like, all right, now what? Now you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do we do for the now rest of the day? it's a regular day. I mean, to be clear, we watch the five NBA games. That's what we right. do. But, right. uh, but you know, Christmas is very much a like, all right, it's 9.30 a.m. and we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And and Thanksgiving is definitely more of a relaxed day. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's obviously a good family day. It's a tough one for us because, you know, we're still in the middle of the season, so we can't totally dial out right um you know i i will say i love the christmas season i mean i i am excited to get there i know that obviously there's all the stuff that comes with it but honestly in some ways i like the christmas season even mm-hmm. more than christmas day you know i just like the winter things i like getting to you know have the weather get cold drink coffee and hot chocolate man like i that's kind of to me what i love now living in texas obviously we don't get a ton of that but but whenever it does coming about i do enjoy it um but yeah so thursday we will all be off thankfully friday we're right back to state championships are there any there's no thanksgiving day uh playoff games are there no, for high no. typically they, they practice they practice they use that as a practice later in the day it's kind of like a a milestone a lot of coaches like to get to they like the idea of practicing on thanksgiving yeah you know being able to win enough to practice on sure. thanksgiving so because they have games friday sure sure i yeah. mean hell if uh if alan has showed us anything it is no guarantee that you get to that third weekend you know yeah. so it's a it's an exciting time it's an exciting time for all of us uh for a lot of teams obviously this will be the last college football game that they will play all year long a couple other teams ended last week you know when you talk yeah. about division two and division three and, and even fcs um you know shockingly charlton state you know their season ended last week yeah. football is not guaranteed at this point anymore and mm-hmm. uh, and that's pretty exciting Okay, so the meme going around Twitter right now, yep. and just the internet. Obviously, the ten-year challenge. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. Sure. Uh, controversial opinions, mm-hmm. right? Everybody seems to be as if asking. Things have been stopping people from tweeting controversial opinions on Twitter, uh, uh, and as if like we haven't yelled enough at each other on right. Twitter. And that's been the real issue in our right. societies that we right. don't yell at each other enough on social. Finally, media. an avenue to put controversial opinions on Twitter. <laughs> so naturally. You asked I, for controversial opinions I asked on Twitter. <laughs> for controversial opinions on Twitter. And, buddy, I got some great responses. So yeah. so my tweet was, quote, tweet with your most controversial opinion about Texas college football. Mm-hmm. I had multiple people ask me, is this about the University of Texas or is this about the state? Right. About the state, right. obviously. Um, Probably could fund a whole segment about just controversial opinions about the University of Texas. Oh, I mean, there were, there were a whole bunch of those. Yep. Um, you know, Greg Tepper coming with the fire. I hope everybody has a fun time and nobody gets hurt. Um, oh, one of the first ones I got. Kevin Steele deserved more time to write the ship as the head coach at Baylor. 
He won about 19% of his games over mm. the, his three years. Most famously in 1999, and Bailey fans, if you are listening, mm-hmm. shut your ears. Um, most well known for trying to get his first win in 1999 by punching it in at the goal line unnecessarily with only a couple seconds left. They fumble, give up a 99-yard touchdown return to UNLV, lose the football game. And I believe that ends up being an 0-11 season. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, that is a take that I might not agree with. I, but you know that's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, a lot of Oklahoma f- fans getting in. Um, you know, the best in Texas are developed fully in Oklahoma, yeah. which which kind of goes in line with your take. Yeah, my take was that both Texas and A and M are probably fifth and sixth. Uh, you can debate on which order between those yeah, two. Yeah, uh, fifth and sixth in terms of recruiting and developing Texas talent. Yeah, and I had rank uh, in order my top four. The schools ahead of those are uh, Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, and Ohio State. And I think when you look at recent history, you can't really debate that because those schools have plucked away and developed that talent better than Texas or A&M have in the past, uh, I'd say, 10 years. I I think you literally can't argue it, Yeah. right? I mean, actually, you you know, not to get too far And I say 10 because, yes, during Mac Brown's peak run, he was the best at developing Texas talent. Yes. Him and and Bob Stoops. It was one and two. Oklahoma's always been there, just literally, geographically. But but Ohio State has really... I mean, that's that's probably the one that's the most unexpected. You got JT Barrett, obviously. You got J.K. Dobbins Dobbins now, Garrett Wilson, Browning. Jeffrey uh, Okuda. Okuda. So, I mean, they're... It's just now starting. They're getting Jackson. They're not as much Jigba of a. Now. They're not as much of a quantity program. Right. But every kid that they get seems to work out. That's the funny thing too. I think yeah. that we might have talked about this last year. You know, you look at Texas, you look at Texas A and M. Yeah. They get all these dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Like really good players, and a lot of them have turned out to be fantastic players. Miles Garrett, obviously, right. guys like that. It feels like LSU has never missed on a Texas kid. Oh, yeah. No, LSU. <laughs> again, it's the Ohio State thing, except with a little bit more frequency because yeah. they benefited from geography. But it's like, yeah, that Texas guy, he's coming and he's going to be great. Like, yeah, yeah. like Clavon Chasen. It was like, right. oh, he's going there. Oh, he's going to be like the best player in college football, right? Yeah, and sure <laughs> enough, he's their best linebacker. And he's their best player on defense, and it's he's just, awesome. Yeah, it, they just always, yeah. always. It's so frustrating, honestly, as somebody who covers the state of Texas to see – that all these kids leave and all of them end up getting better somewhere else. Now, yep. again, I mean, Texas produced a lot of good players. Sure. Uh, Texas A&M has produced a lot of good players. And that doesn't even count, obviously, well, we, some of the lesser guys in a lot of cases that Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, SMU right. have well, there's, worked Here's with. the thing. They're supposed to. Right. Like, they're, they're the <laughs> Texas schools. They're supposed to. And the fact that we see the hit rate better elsewhere has been frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Uh I, I, this is a take that I've seen a lot the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. The Mac Brown era was the exception, not the norm. Man, we could probably we probably should save that for the off season because yeah. that's an interesting discussion. That's not entirely wrong. It's it's <laughs> a conversation worth having, and I know it's something that we talked about a little off air and don't really want to get into mm-hmm. on air. Is uh, at this particular moment, at right. least, is since college football was integrated, uh, not a whole lot of success at some of these flagship programs. Yeah. I think it's a conversation worth having. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a conversation that uh, that I know that you were probably tired of hearing about in the Slack. Mason Fine was always average, <laughs> uh, but you know he just plays like in Conference USA. You know that is a take that uh, that I will not address in this program. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see. Uh, somebody somebody dropped SMU is the biggest underachiever in American, not named Rud- Rutgers, given their alumni and media markets. Rutgers is not an who plays football in New York. Well, and the other thing too is like, te- Dallas, Texas. Yeah. As somebody who grew up here, yeah. is a pro sports town. Yeah, like that's just the hard part, right? And it's like, like no. the the college programs, like there's just too many of them. Yeah, right. You know, like growing up, I knew people who were Texas and Oklahoma and A and M and Tech fans. Mm. Not even Baylor. Like right. not even TCU. Uh, I mean, it's just hard. Dallas right? isn't a college football town, and like to throw Rutgers in there just because they're in New York. They're not in New York, first of all. <laughs> right. They're like right. in. Another part of New York. Right. Like, now, now, granted, I think, you know, not to go off on a Rutgers tangent, no, yeah, right, I think right. that there is, if Rutgers were to invest heavily in their program, I think that New Jersey's an intriguing state. Yeah. But one, they're never going to do it because they don't care. Mm-hmm. And two, 
Like, nobody in that region cares about college football. It's right. a pro sports There's town. not a sleeping alumni base of Rutgers. Right. <laughs> and that's the big issue, that. right? Yeah. There, there's not a Drayton, McLean, or Tillman Fertitta to come in and save the day either. Right. You know, I mean, because, again, they just don't care. And, they don't, like, yeah. and same with SMU. It's like, I mean, we saw, well, we, well we, one, we did see when the boosters get involved what happens. Um, the, you know, things get overboard because they wanted to impress the their friends who were boosters of Texas and right. A&M and all that <laughs> stuff when we saw what happened with that. Right. But... Like, yes, when it comes to these major metropolis uh, universities, like, there just isn't, I don't know, there isn't the interest to do that, right? Yeah. I'm going to invest, you know, when you're an SMU fan or an SMU grad, you're going to invest in the blank school. Like, athletics isn't appealing to you in that way, in the way that it is to a T. Boone Pickens or a uh, Joe Jamail or something, right? Right. So. Uh Another one that I'll drop in. The coaching in the state is so good in high school that so many of the players are maxed out when they arrive to college outside of weight training. I think that this is a take that I've heard before. Ooh, um, that's a good one. I don't totally agree, yeah. but I don't totally disagree. I yeah. think that kids from Texas come into college more prepared to contribute right away because of that, because mm-hmm. they've been well coached. And I think especially at quarterback, that's something that you really see. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think that. Definitely in some cases in, in areas like Florida and Georgia and Alabama, I think you are getting slightly rawer prospects, you know, who who are similar physically, obviously. But I think that I think that also goes into the fact that so many kids from Texas end up playing college football is mm-hmm. because so many of them are coached well and come in and you only have four or five years with them. So I right. I, I think it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's put it that way. Um <laughs> one, one, another one I'll drop in. No legacy news outlet has it out for AM. Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> Shocking, but true. <laughs> I don't know, man. It has been two whole years since we've put Jimbo Fisher on the cover. Since we literally kicked a generational talent off the front cover to put him on the secondary cover because AM made a hire. Right. <laughs> right. Like, but no, we have right. we definitely have an agenda. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong, Houston, you shouldn't yell at us either, but but you have more of a right to yell at us for that decision yeah. than, than anything. Yeah. If I'm a Houston fan, yeah, sure, I'd be upset. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, man. Uh, gosh, there are, some, there are some really hot takes on here that I probably can't read on the program. But, um, oh, I, I'll finish with this one. Uh, the Sun Bowl is the most underrated venue in Texas. Yeah, I'll say that. I will say underrated in terms, I guess, just – general knowledge because i feel like everybody who's been there recognizes yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. no i think that it's it's just something that we don't talk about enough as it that's being fair. a great venue that's right um you know i didn't get to go until the, uh, the first time last year when i visited el paso for my mm-hmm. utep uh preview and i mean it is whew, right there in the mountains man it is yeah. it is awesome it mm-hmm. is really cool all right oh man People have hot takes, my oh, yeah. God. And and people are fine putting those hot takes on the internet. And Shockingly. I don't know why. Shockingly. I don't know why. Uh, my hot take, uh, just to close it out, there are awesome football stories at all 47 schools that play college football. And if you are just paying attention to Power 5 football, you are missing out. And honestly, if you listen to this program, I think you already understand that. So... Let's go ahead and get into the the picks. Man, week 14. Yeah. We're God, here. We made it. It's the last week of the year. It doesn't feel like it. No. It doesn't feel fact, like it's November. And in fact, it feels like we drug our feet because the past couple weeks have been kind of duds. Aside from Oklahoma Baylor. Yeah. It's been it's felt like duds. It, it's it's been pretty time. dull. I, I won't lie to you. I, I'll throw SMU Memphis in that too. Yeah. yeah um, fair enough. You know, so it, there's been a couple bangers this month and there's been a lot of you, Not great. We, we kind of saw where the season was going for yeah. some teams, and it's just like, oh, God. Well, Greg pointed it out. Mm-hmm. If TC were to lose and miss a bowl game, only four Texas teams would be bowling. Oh, God. Which would be the that least sucks. since 2002. <laughs> and I don't think it's unfair to say that this has been a pretty miserable year for the states. Yeah. No, it has. I mean, it's been it's been years. It's like partially years of transition. Yeah. Partially just years of kind of realization right. <laughs> as far as some programs are concerned. But, well, yeah. well, I think that, you know, it's funny. SMU obviously jumps into that top group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like A&M and Texas were both in developmental years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regardless of how people felt coming in. I think for both programs, it was always that. Right. Uh, Tech had a new hire. Mm-hmm. Um, TCU, I think, is disappointed a little bit. It was bit. disappointed, but it was still like not unexpected. The, it was the, yeah, I was about to say like the quarterback, the quarterback right. issues didn't solve itself till like midway right. through the season. Right. So, um, and then when you go to the group of five, like 
Houston obviously decides to sit their quarterback for the year. Uh, the season? <laughs> you know, I mean, UNT has been obviously very disappointing. Okay. Um, and then that bottom tier of schools has been pretty much as bad as last year. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's been a weird year for these uh, for for the state, no question. And um, and obviously it doesn't help that that again Tarleton State loses in the first round of the playoffs. We lose a potential national title contender and. and Look, uh, hopefully AM Commerce can pick up that mantle, but they're going to have to go on the road for the entire playoffs now. Mm-hmm. And UMHB, you know, they, they, I think, have a great shot to defend their title, but they have to deal with some offensive issues. Like, their defense is ridiculous. Ridiculous. But uh, but offensively, they're just not as proven without a Markeith Miller in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So there's still time for all this to be salvaged. I mean, hell, technically Baylor's still in the playoff conversation, but um, but, you know. It's been a weird year for Texas. I I think that that's fair to say. But let's go ahead and get started. Our picks are brought to you, as always, by Arlington CVB. we got state championships coming up. Uh, Again, we are working out the details of potentially a meetup happening around the state championship weekend for subscribers only. Um, If you haven't as yet, become a subscriber. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, And who knows? We might get to see you uh, before too long. But uh, let's get started. So first, we've got our Black Friday game. Texas, a nine and a half point favorite against Texas Tech. 11 a.m. on Fox. Texas is, of course, coming off of that 24 to 10 loss to the Baylor Bears. And Texas Tech coming off of a crushing three point loss to, Tech, to Kansas State. Um, their fourth uh, one loss score in conference play. Something like that. Yeah, God. They're so close. They really are so close. Uh, but, but what are your first impressions of this game? Yeah, fourth. Um,. I'm wondering if Tech, if this is the game where Tech just deflates. Sure. Like, bowl's got, bowl eligibility is gone. Um, another close loss. Like, this game does it. Like, granted, there is something to beating Texas, right? A, oh, lot, of these, a lot of these players on Tech's roster either probably had a uh, an offer, didn't get an offer. You know, there's, sure. there's, you know, they knew a lot of these guys on Texas' roster in high school. Um, there's something to that, but... Part of me just thinks like they've Tech's been feisty and fought for so long and so many games punched above their weight, and I think this is where they just deflate. Now here's the flip side of that: Is this the game where Texas deflates? <sighs> Good question. No, because I still think as much as as much as the Texas Bowl or Alamo Bowl is not appealing, I do still think they want. Let's put it this way. I don't think they want to go to the Texas Bowl. I think they want to go to the, you know, something a little bit more enticing like the Alamo Bowl. Not saying either are probably where they wanted to be at the beginning of the season. I mean, they're, well, I don't know exactly how it would line up, but I mean, they honestly might be out of the Alamo Bowl. They might be looking at the Liberty. Maybe that too, but it's like, you know, they, six and six, I believe, is, would be a disaster. And seven and five is still kind of a disaster. It's a disaster, but it's more, I mean, go into this and then go into the bowl, eight and five. Sure. You know, like that, I, that's that's the point. That's the little uptick I could look at if I'm Texas and say, okay, got to wins. Like, it, it sucked getting there. Right. But, and also just like every issue Texas has had the past couple weeks has been offensively. Yeah. Defense has played fine. Yeah. Um, I think they could, ex- I think this is a game where the offense can get right. Um, I'm not quite as confident as you are in that because I think that Texas defense has been solid this season. Like they it's haven't been, been great. But, mm. They're playing against probably the best linebacker they'll play all year in Jordan Brooks. Probably fair. Um, you know they're playing in. Yeah, they played like, LSU. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that he is since since that game they're yeah. playing the best linebacker yeah. they've played all yeah. year. And, and I mean, throw Kenneth Murray in that too. Sure. I mean, there and there are a lot of players obviously that are really good linebackers that he played, but like. This is how much I like Jordan Brooks. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan Brooks is an NFL linebacker. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that Rico Jeffers is an NFL caliber linebacker. And I think that Douglas Coleman has played borderline All-America this season. Uh-huh. Here's one thing I'll throw more I'll throw for Texas. Okay. I think the players know they're playing for one of their coordinator's jobs at this point. I don't know if that decision's already been made, but yeah. I know that I feel like the defense of guys like Orlando. Yeah. And when you look at they I forgot, do. I I forgot they who do. posted it, uh, but somebody posted like the the staff – um, size numbers, yeah. offensive and defensive. 
I feel like those defensive guys love those that defensive staff because yeah. of how fewer they are. Yeah, there's four. There's like four or five of them. Right. The one of them's Oscar Giles, who nobody hates yeah. Oscar Giles. Um, I feel like defensively they're going to be playing because they know Todd Orlando's job's up in the air. Yeah. I don't know how much they're going to play for Tim Beck because I don't know how much the <laughs> offense knows Tim Beck as opposed to just Ellinger and the quarterbacks. I mean, but, I mean, again, it's Tom Herman's offense. Right. Exactly. So like, <laughs> but I I feel like they know coaches' jobs are at stake. Yeah, and tech. No one's jobs at stake at tech, or should be. But but here's the flip side: uh-huh. is that I think that last week was the disaster game. I think that last week was the we can salvage the season game, and they scored three points. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, they fair. scored ten points. They scored three points. Yeah, you know they mm-hmm. they didn't get within the twenty five yard line until garbage time. Yeah, you know, and and so for me, I just look at this and I'm like how you know like i after that performance last week just nothing's off the table for me with texas Mm -hmm. and so i think texas wins this game but i think that tech continues to keep it close i mean again the line is nine and a half i believe that since they got blown out by uh by oklahoma they've only lost one game by 10 points and it was a 10 point loss to iowa state Mm -hmm. so i think that this is probably a seven point ball game Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I think that it is more likely to me that Texas has an implosion than that Texas Tech has an implosion. Mm-hmm. Alright, you talk me into it. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Give me tech to cover. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh to <laughs> your boys, Texas State. Oh god, they play this weekend. Okay. A seven point underdog. Oh my god. At Jeez. Coastal Carolina. Eleven AM <sighs> on ESPN plus. Texas By the way, I should say I'm looking at these lines for the first time right now. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I honestly, it's more fun that way. Yeah. <laughs> Texas State uh, lost 35-13 to App State. Uh, Coastal Carolina coming off of a 45-42 loss to ULM. Uh, Coastal Carolina's had a very weird year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they ha- uh, they beat Kansas in week two. They beat Troy a few weeks ago, and then they've also lost to a bunch of not very good teams. Can Texas State be the next not very good team that they oh, lose to? Texas State scored 18 points a game this season. Um, <laughs> golly, I have no idea what to think about this game. A month ago, I would have said, hey, look, there's the game Texas State should be favored in. Right. <laughs> um, and some of this is credit to Coastal Carolina. They've sure, actually sure. played pretty no, well. They've, they've definitely improved from years past of being the new new kid on the block, the right. whipping boy, the Sun Belt. Um, part of that's due to, is Jamie Chadwell still their head coach? I think so. I believe so. I think he finally took over full time because, yeah. um, I know he was interim for a little bit. Right. After um, uh, Moglia. Yes. After Moglia stepped aside finally. Um, golly. Which by I the just, way, that's just, a story that we don't talk about enough that, that, uh, like a millionaire was just like, I want to coach football right on the side. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, just, let me do this for a little bit. And then he just, so, they and, just anyway, got him up to FBS level. This anyway, is, this is all beside um, <laughs> Mowgli is a great guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I just don't have any, I don't, I don't know where my faith is supposed to come from for Texas state. I think that's fair. I, I don't like they, again, we know what Tyler Vitt is. He's not a quarterback that suits this system. Spavadol has not spoken, I don't believe, this week about Cedric Case or about any other option. I'd be surprised if we um, saw that. And, I, again, I just – I don't know. I don't see where the faith should come in that Texas State should be able to cover or win outright or anything. So I'm just going to say Texas State stumbles into the offseason with another loss. <laughs> you know what? I live by faith. I don't live by sights. Sure. So for <laughs> – Pretty much no reason at all I'm going to pick Texas State to cover. Okay. Li- probably no reason at all. I mean, I hope people watch this because it is Brian <laughs> London's last game yeah. in a Bobcat uniform. And he absolutely. absolutely should be remembered as one of the best of this uh, of this era. Oh, yeah. Um, he poured his blood out for a team that did not do the same for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> no question. And uh, guys like Deshaun Waddy as well. A lot of the guys, especially on defense. Um, yeah. I, I hope they have a good game just because they deserve it for what they've gave for four years. Yeah. I mean, again, ultimately, Coastal has one Sun Belt win. Yeah. And it was by one point. Yeah. And their other wins, again, there was that weird game against Kansas before they switched offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. They beat Norfolk State and they beat UMass. Yeah. So, when Not I a look track at track record, I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. And, and now I will say, yeah, they, they've played other teams close. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, when you give me a seven-point line, you're saying they're going to win by more than a touchdown. Right. And 
Now, granted, I screwed myself against UTEP last week because I was like, they won't lose by eight, <laughs> yeah. and then they lost by nine. But, uh, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to ignore that for these purposes. And, yeah, I mean, I think that this is, you know, Texas State, like you said, a defense that's going to come back and play hard. And th- I think they're going to, uh, you know, they're going to try to put it all out on that field for that last game because this is a very winnable game. My only thing is, and the reason why I'm going Coastal, Okay. Is that their problems aren't their problems are defensively. Yeah. And if this gets in a shootout, I don't trust Texas State's offense to keep up. Fair, fair. Um nothing on Jensen is yet. I don't believe anything on Jensen. Uh, um I would just count it as bit. I mean That's kinda weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's been a little while at this point. And to kinda hear nothing, I mean that's right. that makes you worry that something's wrong. Right. Like like really something wrong. Something else, yeah. Uh but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> walk a, by that's, faith that's uh that's the, the encapsulation of tech state season so far yeah yes. whatever yeah yeah all right utsa a 20 and a half point underdog at louisiana tech 2 30 p.m on espn plus uh the roadrunners coming off a 14 point loss to fau not a bad loss uh, louisiana tech coming off of a 2014 loss to uab uh uab managed to kind of shut down their offense mm-hmm. kind of weird um other than that louisiana tech's probably been the best team in conference USA this year so uh where are you going with this one again three touchdowns basically is the line golly yeah that's a lot um I think I'm going UNC to cover yeah just because it's a lot that's a lot of points yeah um and I mean this is a lost season but it is Mason Fine's last game. UTSA. Oh, UTSA. Sorry. Ooh, wow. Where am I going? <laughs> I saw. I heard uh, uh, UAB, and I went. Yeah. I went yeah. to U, I went to the UND. <laughs> um. Let's see. So as the I thing calmly, that all as I calmly bring this up, like nothing was wrong. <laughs> Again, man, it's Tuesday. We. It's why Tuesday. would we know what's going on? But. Uh, 21 points is a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's, that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying three touchdowns. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that they've lost by 21 to anyone other than UNT in that fourth game of the year. Right. I, I mean, obviously, Baylor and a but, um But so they have played teams close. You know, that's why I, I think FAU was a 19-point favorite last week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I picked UTSA to cover, and it was 14. Mm-hmm. Like, they've played teams pretty close. Uh now, at the same time, this is on the road at Louisiana Tech at a team that's coming off of a loss. They come off back to back losses, actually. Really? So yeah, they come. They, was, they lost to Marshall. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, Marshall and UAB back to back is tough. And Marshall has been. I mean, they've been okay this season. They've been decent. Yeah, they've been decent. Um, God, that's a, that's such a huge line, though. Yeah, twenty one's a lot. I think that's where I'm going to lean. I don't have any faith in UTSA outside of that. I just think that Vegas overshot when they set that line. That's a lot of points. I'll, I'll very actively say that I have some faith in UTSA to to do some things. I mean, I think that this, uh, I think that UTSA's offense again has looked a lot better mm-hmm. uh, this season. I mean, I think that again at minimum that's what you say about um, Jeff Castle, right? Uh, you know, Louisiana Tech last two weeks scored a combined twenty four points. Mm-hmm. So I mean, maybe some stuff is going on with their offense, and uh, yeah. and I think I think they can play within twenty one for sure. Here's Here's why I'll go UTSA to cover. Okay. They're definitely playing for Frank Wilson's job. Yeah. And I think that Frank Wilson is a guy that the players like. Yeah. Um, he's a guy we like. He's a guy we like. He's a guy that I don't know if the fans like or, you know, there's probably their, I think their a relationships lot shaking with him. But yeah. in terms of him being a coach, you know. Sure. Um, I'm going to say they cover because they need to look good. This If he has any chance of right. keeping his job. If they get blown out this week, then – if the, if you if Louisiana Tech covers this spread, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I think he's gone. Yeah, but I think that, and you know, we'll have we'll have more podcasts obviously to talk about this. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, I mean, is Wilson the only coach who's at risk of getting fired this off season? I mean, I think that everybody else is pretty much safe because, yeah, you know, I mean, the the bot- when you look at the bottom, like Bloomgren and Dimmel aren't going anywhere. Spavadol's a first year coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dana obviously is a first year coach. Uh, Latrell is not going anywhere in either direction. Right. Um, like he might, yeah, 
I think he I mean, Dykes the, maybe could get a job offer. Uh, like th- that's the, that's probably the only other one. Like Dykes Rule getting enough. could, but I don't think he will leave. Well, see, I don't know about Dykes. The thing about Dykes right now is, yeah, I thought Kentucky would be his out. Yeah, and Mark Stoops turned down reportedly turned down Florida State. So I think, <laughs> that, which is great, shows great uh, things great are fine. Summary of where Florida things State is are right fine, now. but um, getting turned down by the Kentucky football coach. But um, yeah, Dykes is the only other coach I could see leaving. Unless somebody decides to take a gamble, I just don't think how you can sell a trail yeah. right now to a Power I don't Five think program. You can. I don't um, think you can. Unless you and Rice does something stupid and decides that <laughs> a complete rebuild's not in the cards, it's, which is again really stupid. But yeah, no, it's, we've it, seen colleges do stupid happening. things before. No, UTEP doesn't have the money to do it. They and, don't have the money. And Rice, and Rice, Rice you, is fine. your Rice stick with the process. Like, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> sorry, think, you're you know they knew what they were signing the guy, up yeah. for. Um, you know, I mean, again, so Rule maybe could leave on his own volition, but it th- that would be surprising to me because he's got a big contract and he signed a huge extension this off uh, during the season, actually. If Shermer gets fired from the Giants, then I would start it's a, it's a factor. It's a yeah. factor for sure. Th- that, but but that, that's the one job. Yeah. That and probably maybe Penn State. If, if Penn State's Franklin, the other, but, but it's still probably too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't expect Rule to leave. I don't obviously expect anyone. So I, yeah, mean, again, if, I mean, again, if uh, if Texas gets blitzed yeah. by Texas Tech, then maybe we can have some dumb conversations about how Texas can, you know, just raise money in half a second. Yeah. But obviously, I don't see that happening. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, That's not happening. Um, yeah, but, you know, it would be kind of cool. I mean, if, if Wilson is competitive in this game, I think they're going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad idea. So. All right. Anyway, uh, let's stop talking about coaching news. <laughs> Baylor, a 14-point favorite on the road at Kansas, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Baylor coming off of that 24-10 to win over Texas. Kansas coming off of a very competitive 41-31 loss to Iowa State. Uh, this Kansas team is Shahan, interesting. why is this a look-ahead game? Because <laughs> <laughs> the Big 12 Championship, obviously, <laughs> is the week after that. Yes. Um, and that's obviously the concern. Uh no, I will say, and the other thing that you say though is is Charlie Brewer, you know, kind of got banged up in that last game. Have we heard anything about? I mean, I'm assuming he's, he's just saying he's fine. Yeah, they're just okay. saying he's fine. Okay. Um, if I'm Baylor, my plan is to try to go up, you know, seventeen zero midway through the second and quarter. Get a and good healthy dose of Gary Bohannon. Yes, <laughs> and and on top of that, I think getting. I mean, Bohannon's barely thrown the ball. Right. Uh, you know, no, even you in, see what in backup reps, like right. I. I mean, I think that obviously you don't sell out to try to develop a guy over trying to win games. Sure. But, like, I think that they would really benefit from getting him some real snaps against a Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I mean, he threw two passes last week, and one was a corner fade that they kind of were just taking a shot, and that yeah. was kind of it, you know? And, and I just don't see that as. I I think it would be a good thing for you to get <laughs> Gary mm-hmm. behind in some reps, and, and also a good thing to get Charlie Brewer out of the game. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Kansas. Uh, Kansas, obviously, senior day for this group. Um, I will say the worst thing that happened to Baylor, I think, yeah. was getting Kansas after they got their offense fixed again. Yeah. Because, I mean, they went up against a really good Iowa State defense. Right. And found their mojo because I believe they they scored one, two touchdowns in like two games, two weeks yeah. uh, leading up to that point. Yeah. After that hot start under uh, under Brad Dearman uh, calling the shots now. Um, I still like Baylor to cover comfortably, but... I just really think like this is this is the this was the bad week to get them because it's like right. oh, I made the Big Twelve title right. game cool let's get up seventeen oh it's seventeen fourteen right. like, now we have to keep the foot slightly on the gas right. a little longer than we wanted to yeah I I think that this will probably just be a nice tune up game you right. know just a nice like let's get guys some reps let's you know it's work not on West our- Virginia where it's the bottom right. feeder it's a team that could test you if you're not really on your game right yeah. well. West Virginia did test them. Remember? That's just, <laughs> that is weather, weather and craziness aside. Yep. Um, no, I mean, and I think that the thing is too is that it's a good enough team where, but you can also get some reps for backups. Yeah, because I think that no, that's they should the, be up seventeen nothing at one point in this right. game or seven by seventeen. Right, right. So, um, and and I still, I mean, I know that they played well last week. I still think that. This Kansas offense has gotten figured out, sure. and um, regardless of what happened last week, so I I think Baylor comfortably covers. Uh, I think that something stupid will happen at some point in this game. Mm-hmm. Like like something will be like, wait, what the Brooke hell? Williams breaks a seventy five yarder, right. and all of a sudden right. Kansas is up fourteen to three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that I think they'll be able to put it away pretty comfortably. So. Yeah. 
All right, the game I'll be at this week, SMU a four-point favorite against Tulane, 3 p.m. on ESPNU. SMU coming off a 35-28 loss to Navy. Tulane coming off a 34-31 loss to UCF. Um, SMU can win 10 games for the first time since 1984. Man, that is wild. Yep. That is wild. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I I think that this is a big emotional game for their seniors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's a lot of transfer seniors, but... A lot of their four-year and five-year guys have been through so much there. And uh, multiple coaching staffs. You know, James Prochet. Th- this game is about James Prochet, mm-hmm. right? Like, and Xavier Jones. Sure. Uh, James Prochet and Xavier Jones. I think that those two guys just deserve everything for, for what they've accomplished, obviously, this year. Right. Um, you know, and, and both are, are sort of in the running for national awards and stuff like that. Like, they are legit legit players and i think that you know i hope that smu fans show up for this and i hope that they go and honor them and honor what this team has accomplished because look i i just think that there's a reality and and this is not trying to be me like this this is one of the better teams that smu has ever had Mm -hmm. and i hope that people understand since the 80s yeah yeah since the death penalty yeah and, um, and, you know, you hope that obviously, and you feel like with guys like Robertson hopefully coming back, with a couple guys on defense coming back, you hope that you can kind of build this into something, but these players deserve your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of the fact that they're out of the New Year's Six Suns. Like, that shouldn't impact your thinking at all. Right. Uh, I think that SME is going to come out motivated. Um, Tulane is tricky, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I was relatively encouraged by how SMU defended Navy. I mean, I know that they had some lapses, and obviously they gave away a breakaway late, and that ended up being the game. But, you know, for most of the game, I think they defended them pretty well. It's just when they started to get up in play count, that's when there started being some issues. Um, I think SMU will come in more prepared for this one, and, and the fact that they're kind of going from an option team to a Willie Fritz team back-to-back I think helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that SMU covers comfortably. I think it ends up being a two or three score game, and um, and the seniors go out on top. I'm gonna agree with you because Tulane's really interestingly struggled to run the ball. Yeah. Um. Obviously, they that's what they do, so they keep right. doing it. So right. they're just gonna pound the ball 40 times. But against UCF and Temple, they barely cracked four yards of carry. Wow. And for a team that was as explosive as it looked around October, mid October, early October ish, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of start. That's kind of striking to me. Yeah. Uh, they're one. They obviously they were able to run the ball pretty successfully against Tulsa, which is their uh, their last win before they went on that two game skid. Actually, that's their that was their last win in five games. Yeah. So they've it's been uh, come to bounce bounce back back to reality, I should say, for Tulane, but. Um, I think this more this game is more about SMU. Yeah. Um, obviously, Tulane's going to be tricky with that offense, with the variation of a triple option that uh, obviously the more traditional form gashed SMU a week ago. Right. Um, but this is more conventionally compared to modern offenses, and I think SMU should be able to handle that in a similar fashion to like Temple and UCF did. They're going to get their 200 yards total just because they're going to run it 50, 40 to 50 times. Sure. But I don't think anybody stops Shane Bichelle. I don't think anybody stops Xavier Jones. I just uh, James Prochet is going to go off. This should be a celebration of what SMU season has done. SMU has done this season. Um, New Year's, unfortunately, New Year's Bowl is out, yeah. right? So, but really good bowl still in the works. Really good bowl potentially in the works, and I think they want to show out one more time for a home crowd, get these guys going, and um, yeah, I'll take SMU to cover comfortably. In the last three games, James Prochet has 34 receptions, four touchdowns, and I'm trying to do some quick math in my head, uh, over 300 yards Yeah, is the point. Uh, he has been ridiculous, and I hope that they just feed the hell out of him, man. I hope that this dude has 15 catches, mm-hmm. uh, just because, I mean, that's how James Prochet deserves to go out. Also, if you're James Prochet, you're looking at NFL stock, and it's not a guarantee he plays in a bowl game. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I hope he does, but yeah. I hope he does, too. No guarantee. Uh, North Texas, a one-point underdog versus UAB, 3 p.m. on Stadium. North Texas coming off of a 2014 loss to Rice. UAB just beat Louisiana Tech. Yep. Mm -hmm. ESPN's matchup predictor has this favor for North Texas. Yeah. 55%. I don't know about that. (sighs) Yeah. I don't know if they've been watching North Texas this year. Well, I mean... It's numbers. <laughs> numbers. Uh, what are you thinking for this one? 
I I have to pick North Texas because. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was not audible on mic. Because I, I now this is Mason Fine's last game. Okay. And if they are not going to perform for Mason Fine in his last ever game, then just burn the place to the ground, man. There is no points. I mean, here's there my, is no god. <laughs> I mean, here's my thing. They already showed out for his last home game. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> and apparently, and based on how the rest of the how the past two games have gone, that was literally what the team had in the tank. Um, yeah, I have I have, have no faith. I have no faith that they'll yeah. be I mean, UAB's to, a lot better than UAB, UAB is so much better. Yeah. Um and their defense is good. Yeah. Like their defense, that's the other thing is like not only can their offense <sighs> North Texas offense is better on paper and right. all things considered, you know, uh, in a vacuum. But UAB has the better balance, and I sure. think that they'll be able to make plays against Mason Fine and maybe force him into some turnovers, get to him, which is obviously the kryptonite to uh, basically been the kryptonite to him the past four years as he's been a starter. Give me UAB. Sorry, Mason Fine. We love you. You will always have your little niche of cult fanatics in Group of Five Texas football. Um, but yeah, this wasn't the year for you, man. Sorry. If you are listening, North Texas defense, I am begging you. One please. game. One game. One game. Literally. One game. Literally, you've not you played go well. 0 and 12 all year. next year, <laughs> and it'll all be okay. Just you have win, not played good all year. Win this football game. One game. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> TCU, a 12.5 point favorite versus West Virginia at 3.15 p.m. on ESPN. TCU coming off a 28 24, mm-hmm. very close loss to OU. West Virginia coming off of a 2013 loss to Oklahoma State. Mm. I mean, come on, it's TCU, right? You got you have to feel that TCU's like we're making a damn bowl this season. <laughs> like Gary Patterson's not gonna. It's so hard to imagine me that even. Let me put it this way: last year's TCU team went bowling. Yeah, I feel like last year's team was a lot worse than this year's team. I feel like that. Yeah. They got to go bowling. I'm going to give me TCU. This, I would be stunned if they drop this game and fall to 5-7. and seven. So I think that they'll probably win the game. Yes. Here's the thing when you look at last week's performance against OU, though. Mm-hmm. In the fourth quarter, TCU had multiple drives oh, with the ball. Trust me. They could not move and, and a defense that we know can be moved. Yeah. And, and uh, Bill Connolly, yeah. you know, our, our friend over at ESPN, he puts out his game charts, basically. And uh, you know he has these different ways to calculate all these all these advanced analytics. Mm-hmm. Do you have a guess out of one hundred percent what their uh, <laughs> what their success rate was in the fourth quarter was on it offense? Five. It was zero. <laughs> they had a zero percent success rate in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. TCU got back in this football game because Max Duggan broke off a run, yeah, and because they had a pick six, yeah, and because Jalen Hurts gave them the ball, right. Which, again, we talked about it. At some point, it feels like it has to bite them, but it still hasn't as yet, so we'll see. Um, So, like, when you look at that 28-24, to that was very much Oklahoma trying to give away the ball game to me. No, that's that's fair. I did not believe TCU had it. And that TCU really was up to the level. And the flip side, Mm -hmm. West Virginia's defense, especially their defensive line, is not bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Their defensive line, the Stills brothers, man, those guys are going to play in the NFL for a long time. They are terrifying. <laughs> and I look at this TCU offense, and I don't necessarily know if they have a consistent thing that they can do against this defense. And I look at West Virginia. Now, now that doesn't mean that I think West Virginia is going to win. Sure. But, but I look at this West Virginia offense. Jared Daigie's pretty damn good, man. He's pretty good. He's pretty damn good. And, and really, I understand that it was with Drew Brown instead of Spencer Sanders, and that's a big factor playing mm-hmm. last week. But they held them to 20 points. It was a seven-point ball game against a team that still is ranked, like a team that should be a lot better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, they managed to really bottle up Chuba Hubbard, which is terrifying. I mean, that is that is terrifying. Yeah, that is kind of wild. Uh, last week against Oklahoma State, Daigie, 28 of 38, 307 yards and a touchdown. And this is a TCU defense that has had some young guys step in and play really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily— Lowest yard total of the year. For Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Since uh, McNeese, which he probably, I'm assuming he didn't play, he played no, like he, two he did, drives. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he barely touched the ball. Yeah. Yeah, no, they did a good job against him. Yeah. Um, and, and if 
they're a bad secondary. So if if they could blitz them through the air, mm-hmm. you know, if if they had a if Duggan was a quarterback who you could trust to complete balls to Jalen Rager, which he's not, mm-hmm. uh, then maybe it's a different ball game. But the reality is, for me, I have no reason to believe that TCU is going to jump up and dominate them to the tune of two scores because West Virginia has started to find their mojo. No, I got. I'm taking TCU to cover. All right. Um, all right. I look at that. Thirteen's a lot of points. Thirteen's a lot of points. But I'll look at games like Kansas. Yeah. Where they handle them. I'll look at games well, like that was pre pre coordinator switch. Pre coordinator switch. And but I'll also I'll look, I'm gonna look at the Tech game. Okay. Uh, that's a game that to me TCU let them get back into. Yeah. Um, Tech was fine, and they they took advantage of the mistakes that TCU did when TCU took its foot off the gas. But I think that was a good barometer of where of where TCU is. I think that they can they can beat a team like West Virginia. I think by this margin, I, I don't think is that out of the re- that out of the realm of possibility. Um, especially at home, if this is in Morgantown, yes, that'd be way too many points. But give me TCU. Give me yeah. I think I think they look good going into the going in the bowl season. Whatever bowl they get. Yeah. So, so looking at TCU's last couple of results, mm-hmm. they're minus four against Oklahoma, plus two against Tech, minus six against Baylor, minus seven against Oklahoma State, plus 10 against Texas, mm-hmm. uh, minus seven against K-State, minus 25 against Iowa State. You have to go all the way back to that Kansas, Kansas game. Team. No, Kansas is the worst team that they've, or, or the most comparable team that they've played since right. then. Like right. every team that they've played has been better. Right. Um, but, you know, I just... I just don't necessarily think that this is a team that we should trust with any level of regularity to pull away from anybody. That's especially, fair. especially again, if if West Virginia can cause issues with their run game, mm-hmm. then TCU is in trouble. Yeah. Not necessarily lost trouble, mm-hmm. but they're in trouble in terms of they're not going to score 30, 40 points. Right. And, and I think that it, it's a game that we play, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that West Virginia can get to 13? I think that they can. And if they That's get to fair. 13 then you're talking about TCU needing to score four touchdowns. Right. And I certainly don't think that they can guarantee do that against this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm again, I think TCU wins, but I think it's a three or seven. I don't think it's a 13. Okay. And next up, we've got Houston, a nine-point underdog against Navy, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Houston coming off of a 24-14 win over Tulsa, and Navy coming off of an impressive 35-28 win over SMU. I'll say something that might make Houston fans really mad. Okay. This line's really low to me. I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I don't even think that they'd be mad about that. I think that they'd understand that. Yeah, I, I think this line's really low. I was yeah. shocked. When I mean, they just, be, they just beat they SMU, just beat SMU. <laughs> by seven. Oh, boy. Um, the, the one thing that you say mm-hmm. is that, you know, I mean, Navy's style obviously isn't yeah. necessarily going to pull away from teams consistently, right. um, you know, unless they get stops every single time, which, which Houston's been pretty good at scoring mm-hmm. in, in different ways too is the other thing that you say right. um you know and houston's played most people close that's the other thing that you say uh and it's in houston it is in houston um and they haven't given up like still at this point they still haven't given up and i think that that is legitimately something that they deserve yeah. credit for i can't i can't sorry yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go Navy. Um, I can't either. For the record, <laughs> <laughs> because well, the offense isn't conducive. Typically, traditionally, the offense isn't conducive of a team that runs up scores. And yeah, this Navy team's run up some scores. Yeah, they, they definitely have. <laughs> this Navy team is not your traditional. Oh, we're gonna right. score twenty four and win. Right. It's like we're gonna run up. We're gonna run thirty five on USF. Yeah. We're gonna run up forty one on Tulane. Like right. And I think if they just hit that thirty mark, I don't have. I don't have any confidence in Houston to score like more than fourteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, give me Navy. Uh, they're they're just it's a they're buzzsaw right now. It's kind of unfair, actually. Yeah. So. I, <laughs> I I have faith in Houston to score twenty one, but I think that Navy's going to score more than thirty five. Yeah. And so I love how they just pump out these quarterbacks, man. Malcolm Perry is just like <laughs> yeah. It's like they had a little bit of a downturn right. after Keenan Reynolds, right. and they had a couple down years. Like right. oh, there's one Malcolm, pluck him out. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. No, they're they're ridiculous, man. Yeah. Is I'm trying to remember. Is Malcolm Perry the the one that they got out of the crowd? 
Like, do you remember that? Like, because oh. uh, he's like, he was the quarterback of their JV team. Because that's something that the service academies do. Hmm. Is that? Is yeah, he I think one? he is. Yeah, I think he is. So, so the story was uh, they had major quarterback issues. Was it two years ago? I think. Yeah. And um, and you know, so he was on the JV team, which is something. It was again, when Tago Smith was was uh, was quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And so he was like a freshman or a sophomore, so he was on their JV team. So he didn't dress out for the football game, right? Mm-hmm. Which I guess the way that it works, you're still allowed to like, you know, he's still eligible to play yeah. and all that, even though he didn't dress out, which is kind of a weird deal. But, um, but so they literally pulled him out of like the crowd of students. He was, yeah, he he hadn't. Let me see. I have the article right here. Uh, Perry had been watching from the brigade, wearing his dress and whites, uh, cheering on his teammates. At halftime, a manager summoned him from the crowd to finally suit up. Perry had missed practices on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with an illness, so Niamatololo said he wouldn't dress for the opener. Uh, after Smith's illness, Tago Smith's illness, uh, the midshipman equipment staff had to retrieve Perry's gear. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just for show. 49-16 to 16 in the fourth quarter, Perry went into the game uh, ahead of fellow backup Zach Abbey. Uh, Perry finished the game for Navy, rushing seven times for 30 yards. That's tremendous. <laughs> That's tremendous. Well, anyway, Malcolm Perry turned out uh, to be a pretty damn good player. Man, he is killing it this year. Yeah. He is, I believe he's he's just on the verge of cracking 1,000 yards passing, but he's well over 1,000 yards rushing. Um, and I love because he's so he's, – he's, he's 5'9", sub 200. Right. Um, and I love the way like Navy's quarterbacks look when they're under center. Yeah, because <laughs> the center covers them up. Basically, oh, yeah. they're oh, so yeah. small, or they at least they get so low. Right. That it's it's impressive. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, yeah. I love Army Navy. Watch it uh, next weekend, please, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's at he's at 920 yards passing, 12.3 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, three interceptions, and then 1,354 yards on the ground, 18 touchdowns. He's averaging six yards a carry. <laughs> yeah, man, it's he's, he's ridiculous. That's awesome. He's ridiculous. All right. The Big Daddy. Oh, boy. Texas A&M. A 16-and-a-half point underdog at the fighting LSU Tigers. 6 was that p.m. Your, was, that your, was that your, like, semi at Orgeron? That, that, was, that was my I wasn't sure to commit to it or not <laughs> at Orgeron. <laughs> so I didn't do anything. I heard Tigers, and I was like, oh, that was something. Yeah, I, I didn't commit to it. Some Six extra Cajun seasoning on this. 6 p.m. on ESPN. Oh. Uh, A&M coming off of a pretty impressive 1913 performance against Georgia. Yep. LSU coming off a way more impressive 56-20 performance against Arkansas. So, the question, the only question I need to ask you in this one is, <laughs> is LSU's rage enough to, let me, let me rephrase that. Can LSU contain their rage and desire to run up the score so much that Anim actually covers this? No. <laughs> Look, we we said a lot of nice things about AM last week and yeah. and I want to be very clear. Okay, yeah. I want to go through this very clearly. Yeah. AM has improved in a lot of aspects of the game, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. I think that Mond has taken a step forward mm-hmm. and I think that again, we talked about heading into 2020, he is I think the best returning quarterback in the SEC. Yep. Uh, assuming that the guys we expect to leave leave. Right. Um I think that uh that their defense has been really impressive uh especially against the run, mm-hmm. right? I think that they've done a very good job against the run. Um, and I think that they've grown against the pass for sure. I mean, they're still developing, but I think that Mike Elko has done a tremendous job with that unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they have more receivers now than they ever have, you know, in the Fisher era. A obviously, great recruiting class coming. Right, yeah. they've got a bunch of good guys coming in. I mean, they got freaking Demond Demas, who's going to be a stud next year, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have a lot to be optimistic about, a lot to be thankful about, uh, and a lot, I think, of optimism heading into 2020. And I don't just say that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think it's very easy to just be like, ah, they'll be better next. Year. No, I mean, I'm serious yeah i i feel like we've seen the signs now get to the caveat lsu is gonna beat that ass <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's the issue right is that lsu is the best team in america yes they are as good an sec offense as we've ever seen mm-hmm. right like they are they are on that short list of the greatest ever sec offenses mm-hmm. along with probably bama the last two years right uh like this is a dominant football team yep and they are so mad at A&M. I was about to say, not only... They are so mad. <laughs> not only is this team the best team in college football right, right now, not only has yeah. this team, for some reason, after 10 years of neglecting offense, decided to just absolutely modernize everything. And, and torch and, and everybody. And torch everyone. They're also mad. Yeah. <laughs> They're also mad at yeah. them. At yeah. A&M. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a terrible recipe. I'd have them covering this if they weren't mad. Yeah. Kevin Falk is still on that staff. Kevin Falk remembers <laughs> last year. 
Kevin Falk remembers last year where he almost had to kill a kill a man on the field <laughs> out of pure rage. Is Steve Cragthorpe on there? I'm gonna probably. check right now. Yeah, he probably is. Like I, I was no joke. As you were talking, I was making sure that Kevin Falk was still on staff. <laughs> I was like, is he still director of player? Yep, he's still director of player <laughs> player development. Okay. This game is going to get bad. Sorry, Aggies. Yes. I'm so Look, sorry. This is, this is 2020 not- is your year. Yeah. You will be it will be fine, but LSU has some demons to get right. out right now. <laughs> right. And this is this is not a reflection of how we feel about A&M no. or where they're at or this where they're going. This is a reflection going. of how LSU feels about it, A&M. Right. Right. <laughs> like A&M, I mean, it's a joke, but like A&M is the is going to be the best seven to five team in the country? Right. They're going to be one of the better seven to five teams ever. Yep. They've played one of the arguably the worst schedule of all time. Right. Playing three number one teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and they are playing two teams almost guaranteed that'll get. Actually, no. I I it would be not at all surprising to see them play three playoff teams. Yeah. Because they played Clemson, they played LSU. Those two teams are virtual locks, mm-hmm. and then either Alabama or Georgia have a very good shot of getting in. Sure. And so they have a real shot to have played three playoff teams and probably at minimum three of the top seven at the end yeah, of the year. Seriously. You know, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or four of the top four seven. Four about to say, yeah. Four of the top seven. That sucks. Yeah. And, like, this was always just going to be a disaster, especially after Auburn decided that they were top ten. Yeah. <laughs> Once that happened, like, because A&M, I mean, I think A&M's one of the top 25 teams in America for sure. Yeah. But, like, the schedule meant they would never have a shot. And and if you think yeah. for one second, for one second, that, that's not, that last year's not on Ed Orgeron's mind, <sighs> you want me to bring to you what he said after Arkansas <laughs> this past I, week. I do, I do. You should try to hold it up to the mic and see if you can get it. <sighs> oh, my God. If I can get it. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll read it right here. Okay. But, okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, I'm trying to find it. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Following the game, uh, this is this is after the fifty-six to twenty-one over Arkansas, right? Yeah. A rivalry game by technicality, right? Yeah. Even though LSU does not care, he, they got a trophy. boot. They got a boot. Uh, uh, and and t- here's another hot take: mm-hmm. uh, it's dumb that their trophy's a boot because Louisiana doesn't need Arkansas to make a boot. That's fair enough. It's already <laughs> boot on by itself. But uh, courtesy of our friends at a uh, uh, podcast, I play nobody. They let us know where they keep that trophy. Literally, like in a storage closet. <laughs> They don't care. Um, no, right, it's actually right, behind right, the receptions right, right, right. desk at, oh, at the athletic facilities. Oh, man. Anyway, after they beat Arkansas last week, uh, there was no celebration. There was no like parading the trophy right, around right, like you right. typically see. So somebody asked. So this is from the Advocate. <laughs> Following the game, Ed Orgeron said there w- there wasn't going to be too much of a celebration after beating the Razorbacks because they haven't beaten anybody in a long time. <laughs> Ed Orgeron is a petty man. <laughs> He's a petty, petty, petty man. Yeah. He does not care. He yeah. he absolutely remembers last year. And you know what? They're not going to celebrate afterward either. No. <laughs> They're going to walk off and say, business done. God. And we are so sorry. If they played... Look again, if, if you take the A&M jerseys off of these players mm-hmm. and put them in a you know, whatever jersey. If you put them in a Mississippi State jersey. Right, right, right. And it's, well, I guess that's still maroon, but, uh, you know, maybe that just makes them mad. But, uh, you know, if you if you put them in a, God, a Miami jersey, or if you put yeah. them in a South Carolina jersey, or I'm picking way too many maroon teams. I don't know why I keep picking that. But anyway, if you put them in any other jersey, yeah. I think that A&M puts up some points. Right. I think that they, you know, have a nice performance. They still don't cover. I mean, 17 still not enough. Um, but, like, once they see Jimbo Fisher on that sideline, and it's gonna be bad. <laughs> and the, again, I mean, I, I know that it's not really a storyline at this point, but you yeah. know, it, the fact that like LSU wanted Jimbo, and and like yeah, you I know, mean, yeah, they yeah. kind of missed out on him, and they hired Coach O too. Yeah, it's another thing. And Coach O is gonna be like, all right, cool, time to prove myself. Right, <laughs> I was the right hire. Right, right. It's uh, there's so many fun storylines in this yeah. game, man. Adam, trust us, it's gonna be fine when you guys are putting on a good show against. I don't know who's a good Big Ten team that Wisconsin in the Outback Bowl or something, right? Hell it's yeah. gonna be like it's gonna be like, oh man, this is yeah, cool, they're gonna right? Put somebody yeah. and they're gonna and they're or gonna Michigan, finish top twenty five, like something yeah. like they're that. gonna yeah. finish top twenty. They're gonna get they're gonna get us good bowl, right? Right? They're gonna get that. Uh, probably that Outback Bowl seems right. Outback know, seems about right. There. Cotton Bowl, maybe I don't know if, if it depends on if Texas doesn't get the Cotton Bowl too. You um, mean the Texas Bowl? Uh, no, because uh, uh, 
no cotton cotton will be uh oh that's right cotton's a new year six now yeah cotton's um new year's six. so t- i mean i guess they could nah texas bowl seems a little low so sec is weird uh-huh. so they the way that they do it is they um because you know with the with the big 12 they have like the set bowl order right like right, if you finish right, right. this position you go here the sec smart the, the sec is smarter than everybody okay that that's right. the thing that that nobody likes to talk about right yeah. is that the sec is so much smarter than everybody else and here's why <laughs> One, it's going to go great with the fans of this podcast. I, I think that they understand. Trust me, this is this is not me saying that they're better. They're smarter. I know, I know, I know. They play SoCon Saturday, the last week before Rivalry Week, yeah. right? So it's just a tune-up game before yeah. their biggest games of the year, yeah. largely against other conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, two, they play eight conference games. Mm-hmm. Nobody, everybody's talking about everybody's non-conference schedule like they only they don't only play eight conference games, right? right. Like so that's smarter. And then the third thing that they do. When they are assigning bowls, right, like there are some that are automatic, right, like the the top SEC team that doesn't go to the playoff goes to the Sugar Bowl. That's mm-hmm. set. Basically, that whole middle set, the SEC gets to decide where they send each team. So basically, they can be like, all right, you know, this, this bowl game, we're playing a good team. Let's send somebody bad there so it doesn't matter. And let's get a favorable matchup for this team. And yeah. let's get a favorable matchup for this team. Right. Like, and just, let's not have Texas play a <laughs> Yeah. And, and so that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah. it's like Texas might almost be pushed to go to the Texas Bowl. Yeah. And they can be like, oh, nope. well, let's just not put A&M there. Yeah. You know, because we don't have to. Although, I, if I were A&M this year, this would be a good year for me to play Texas. Uh, you don't mm-mm. think so? Mm-mm. Nope. Ah, can you imagine if, they, if Texas pulls that upset, I mean, man. that would obviously That is literally what would. That's literally what happened the last time they played. That it is, was like, ah, oh, this is the good year to catch Texas. Nope. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> you, that's a fair point. You never right. want to catch that. We got, we got Ryan Tannehill. They've only got Case McCoy. Right. Yeah. Nope. No, no. Anyway, yes, Outback Bowl, it's going to be great. You guys are going to kill Minnesota, probably, right, whoever. Right, right, like, right. Just not this week. It's not going to be good this week. Yeah. Just yeah. get to this week. But, man, the, the SC knows how to work football. They do. <laughs> they do. Why is everybody else not caught up as yet? Like, yeah, uh, schedule, schedule the FCS we, team in week 13. We have, we have the hardest road to the college football playoff, and that's cool. not a cell phone. Cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. We can eliminate ourselves right here, right now. Right. We will never win every conference game because it's too hard. The Big 12, meanwhile, is like, yeah, we need a conference championship game that eliminates our chances of making it. I mean, because the thing is, too, right, is like, let's say that Baylor had beaten Oklahoma. Yeah. No, it knocks down Oklahoma's record, and Baylor's resume looks worse. Right. Like, and that's it. And and on top of that, like, the other thing, too, is that the teams with the most top-end talent, like in the most depth, mm-hmm. they're always going to benefit most. Yeah. So if you've got a Baylor or TCU and they have to go play a really good Oklahoma twice, well, Oklahoma has just more guys on the second and third lines, and so they're going to have a better chance to win the second time. So mm-hmm. you're, I, I don't know, whatever, man. Whatever. The SEC is a bunch of geniuses and nobody's caught up as yet. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, boy. Anyway. The point is, Anim, we're sorry. We love you. Everything's going to be fine. What would be the number that you would need to take A&M in this game? We played this game with Texas State App State a few weeks ago. 20. 21. I'll say 21. You'd have to push 30 for me. Really? It's it's, And again, this is nothing I to feel, do with I'd my feel perception better. of quality. I'd feel better about 21. I'd uh, feel, yeah, I, I, it, yeah. I would think twice about 21. I think 28 is where I'd start to think twice. Okay. I think that four touchdowns, because again, I mean, LSU's defense has been inconsistent. Yeah. But at the same time, they're so mad. They're so mad. They're really mad. (sighs) See, here's the thing, though. Ole Miss laid the game plan out. Sure. But Jimbo Fisher ain't going to run Kellen Mond. (laughs) Well. That's the one thing. Ole Miss was like, cool. Uh, cut the brakes. <laughs> this quarterback's well, gonna run twenty times a game. And I mean, the, the one thing that I'll LSU's say, LSU's defense ain't that great this year. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I'll say too is like, you do look at LSU's schedule. Mm-hmm. They haven't beaten many people by a lot. No, right? They've scored a lot of points in everybody. They beat Arkansas by thirty-six. Cool. Right. Yeah, Arkansas. Uh, but Ole Miss is only twenty-one. Alabama technically was five, even though obviously it was way more dominant than that. Right. Auburn was three. Mississippi State was twenty-three, which isn't that big a number. Florida was fourteen, which was impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, then like Vandy twenty-eight, but like that's not super impressive. Right. And then obviously the Texas game. Oh man! Wow. Am I starting to talk myself into this game's going to be close? And I think. Nope. Okay, I think I think I'm with you with the twenty-one number now, though. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, because I just. 
haven't been great against the run. I just here's my thing. Adam's not the offense that's going to trouble this LSU defense. I'll disagree with you on one aspect. Okay, Adam's not going to play offense the way that will. No, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like I think that the players right. aren't oh, good enough. Sure, yes, yes. The players and the talent there, yes, yeah. could absolutely challenge LSU. Jimbo Fisher's going to line him up in the I formation and run right. twenty times right, right. into the teeth of that defense. Right. Like so. And again, I mean, I understand the thought process. And eventually, when they do have you know four or five years of Fisher recruits, that yeah. might work. Yeah. Uh, not when you have two years of Fisher recruits and can't run the ball right now. Right. So. Stop yelling at me, Aggie fans. I know Fisher doesn't use the eye formation that much, but you, know, you get the point <laughs> the, what I'm saying. The pistol. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's going to line up in a formation that's not going to threaten this defense at all. Right. So, all right. Well, hey, you know what, Aggies? I'm excited for you to, to make it a game for no damn reason and for this to be a lot of fun and for us to look like idiots. Oh, in my a couple God. Kellen Montrose are 400 yards and, yeah. Best returning quarterback Jimbo. in the SEC in 2020. I'm telling you. Uh, you have no disagreement for me? Yeah. All right. Jimbo Fisher goes midfield and does the DX crotch shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's apparently how we're ending this. <laughs> all right. Well, keep an eye out for all those games. Uh, again, we only have two sub-FBS teams left as well. Texas A&M Commerce moving on to the second round of the playoffs after upsetting Tarleton State. Uh, they have got Colorado School of Mines next. Uh you know, of course, it came from Colorado School of Mines. Yeah, Bob Stitt. The fighting Bob Stitt. Yep. Who probably have, have to have a reevaluation of that play calling duties after this year. But anyway. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, I talked to our good friend Danny Davis over at the Statesman, uh-huh. uh, who ob- obviously Bob Stitt also coached at Montana. Mm-hmm. Danny Davis. Not a fan. Not at all. <laughs> Not a fan. Not even a little bit of a fan. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, look, it was a weird cultural fit. I know that, like, Bob Stitt also kind of thinks he's a genius too and i know that that sometimes rubs people the wrong way um i mean largely that's been the case but i understand uh umhb the other team in the playoffs um mm-hmm. they have a matchup this week in belton against huntingdon college not to be confused with huntington because mm-hmm. that would be easy it's hunting done uh college <laughs> so that's at noon on saturday so hopefully both those two teams advance into the next round of the playoffs yeah whew, this is it this yeah. is it, man. This, this is our is last full preview show of the season. Yep. And uh, a lot of it is meh. <laughs> <laughs> a you know lot what? of it and is meh. That is, after this season, generally what we deserve. Mm. So Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. We will see what happens. Uh, you know, and, and so our plan heading into the offseason, we're still going to keep doing shows at least, definitely through signing day. Um, you know, sometimes around magazine season, we mm-hmm. start to get a little more inconsistent because... Yeah. Things turn to shit for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we'll try to be a little better than we were last year, let's say. Maybe we'll try to go through, like, April, May at least, and then, you know, take a little bit off and then uh, and then come back. But but we're going to still be going strong at least through most of the off season. Um, You know, maybe we'll have some team recap shows. Maybe we'll have some bowl preview shows. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, you're stuck with us. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> As always, uh, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. I will give a subtle plug that I am hoping to have a big, big feature. One of the better things that I'm hoping to have ever, hoping to have ever written. You know, I'm still in the process. Uh, going up tomorrow on textfootball.com. And uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Corey has a great story going up on a couple of punters. Trust me, it's going to be a must-read story as well. Uh, and and. The other thing that I'll say, hey, there's only one finalist for a national award from the state of Texas, Houston punter, Dane Roy. <laughs> there you go. The best punter. Unfo- Look, man, Braden, man, hasn't been quite as good as last year. He's been tremendous. But, like, Dane Roy, man, he's taking that step. He's a, he is a monster. Last week, against, uh, last week in their game against Tulsa, he punted eight times and six dropped within the 20. That's pretty good. That'll do it. So... Anyway, uh, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Text Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. If you haven't as yet become a subscriber, textfootball.com slash subscribe. And also subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a five-star review if you would not mind. All right. We will talk to you again on Sunday. <laughs>